Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 94 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers. Folks, we have a huge episode this week. Not just a big episode, a huge episode. We are going to be joined in a moment by Baltimore Orioles first baseman, Ryan O'Hearn. One of my favorite people, one of my favorite interviews. You're going to love the next hour of content, Ryan O'Hearn. We're a Brian O'Grady podcast, but we're also a Ryan O'Hearn podcast. So we support our fellow Irishmen out there playing the game. Um, it's just all, so awesome. But before we get to Ryan O'Hearn, we wanted to give a shout out to three quick apparel sponsors. One of them is brand new. The first one is the new one, Zero Negative. They are a brand out to inspire and empower individuals to find a positive message in everything they do every time. They promote positivity, mindfulness, and all of their products. It's the coolest thing ever. So check them out, zeronegative.com. Next, Few Will Hunt. It's one of my favorite brands out there. It's just a great American company out of Philadelphia. They are out to restore the dignity of hard work. Uh, One of my favorite shirts to work out in. One of my favorite shirts I own. Check them out, fewwillhunt.com. Last but not least, Shoreboy Clothing Company. Even though it is dark at 5 p.m. and it's cold outside, Shoreboy Clothing Company captures the essence of a summer at the Jersey Shore in their apparel What is not to like about that? Let's keep the good vibes flowing and check them out year-round at shoreboy.co. With that all being said, let's kick it to an interview that I guarantee you'll love or your money back, Ryan O'Hearn. Enjoy. All right, we are now joined by a very, very special guest, Ryan O'Hearn of the Baltimore Orioles, fresh off a day of golf. Dude, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for giving us a piece of your time. Uh, How are you? I'm good. Life is good. Um... Just enjoying the off season, trying to, you know, get my workouts going, do my stuff, but um, appreciate you guys having me on the Breaking Bats podcast. I've been following you guys for a while now. Thank you. No, we, That's awesome. We're, we're, we're big fans. Obviously, I'm an Orioles fan, so it's, oh, it, it, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, you're the man. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start because I was going back and I was reading about your college ball, Sam Houston State, and I wanted to talk specifically about like your coach. I was reading all about your coach, David Pierce, and just yeah. like, his interesting coaching style, I guess it is. Um, when you first got to Sam Houston State, you're a freshman, you're wide-eyed. What like did you need that harsh style of coaching that that he gave? I did. I really did. Um, and you know what, Coach P- David Pierce is first of all the man and, and a really good coach. And I think maybe in that that uh, article, I, my experience with him is maybe a little bit different than a lot of a lot of players have had. You know, have had. Um, I was. Uh, had not played much first base at all. Um, I was, and I, and he made it clear to me that like, Hey, you're going to play. So like he was hard on me for a reason, you know, it was, he needed to be hard on me for us, for our team to be good. Um, And, uh, but yeah, I give him, you know, at the time there was definitely times when we maybe, you know, butted heads or I felt like he was like, why is, you know, why is he like picking on me or whatever? But uh, it was for good reason. And, and I, you know, whenever I talk to him nowadays, I'm very appreciative of, of his tough love, you know, because sometimes that's what it takes. And, um, you know, he definitely prepared me um, in those three years for, for what was to, to come in pro ball. 
He's at UT Austin now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's been at Texas for uh, for a while now. He did him and I. We did the same three years at Sam Houston, and then and then he went on to Tulane for a few years, and then got the job at Texas, and um, you know been been killing it there ever since. Oh yeah, I mean every, every time I look, Texas is like up there with college baseball. Um, what what did you learn about yourself during those those years at Sam Houston State with Coach Pierce? Like, and what did you take with you when you got to the draft and got you know went to the pros? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I think you just kind of find out what you're made of, you know, I think, uh, when you're in high school as a baseball player and you, and you're, you know, you're hitting 500 or whatever, uh, and you're playing so good. So you think you're on top of the world. And I think kind of going in there and getting maybe like a dose of reality that, you know, Hey, you're not as good as you think you are for one, two, you know, you're, uh, maybe not as mentally tough as I needed to be. I think that's probably the main thing that I uh, learned from Coach Pierce was just, the, you know, the mental toughness, just overcoming adversity, um, you know, figuring out a way to get something done when maybe it, it didn't seem, or, you know, it's not easy, but figuring out a way to get it done. And um, just just the overall grind that I think a minor league season can put on a, on a kid who's um, – young and and used to not not used to playing that many games i used to playing against the best of the best and um he kind of helped me change my mindset and get better at overcoming adversity um you know which i definitely faced uh in the minor leagues yeah absolutely i think kate wanted kate wanted to actually ask about that yeah kind of touching on that i know a lot of guests that we've had recently on talked about how hard it is for them like when they're up and down in the minor leagues and getting like a little bit of glimpse of being um, up in the majors, then coming back down. When you were in the minor leagues and kind of handling that battle, what advice do you think would you give to someone that's currently going through that right now? Yeah, same advice that I got is it's not going to go the way you think it is. Um, it's not I, a really good analogy. Mike Sweeney gave me one time was it's as much as you think it's going to be like this, you know, oh, I'm going to go to double A this year. I'm going to go to triple A this year. I'm going to it's going to be like this, you know, it's, and it's the sooner you figure out how to kind of ride the wave and um, you look for the silver lining and, you know, just kind of embrace, you know, the, the hard times and, you know, it teaches you a lot about life for sure, which is, you know, being able to overcome hardships and get move past things and all that. But um, that's probably the you know best advice that I ever got in the minor leagues was it's not going to go the way you think it is. You know, this game is crazy. As soon as you think, you know, something, you know, it's, it's going to kick in the balls pretty much. And, you know, um, so yeah, that's it. Justin. Uh, so I wanted to touch on uh, our, you know, third member of this podcast, Brian O'Grady, Brian O'Hearn, the names, you know, that, I think that's might've been where the connection first started, but uh, can you take me back to 2014? The first time you guys maybe met, uh, playing against him. I think he was with, I guess, Billings. Billings. And I, you were with Idaho? I think he, yeah, he came up with the Reds. So I think that's, yeah, it was Billings. Um, and I was Idaho Falls Chuckers. And uh, yeah, you know, the similar, the similar names uh, <laughs> is what struck me at first. Um, you know, Brian O'Grady, a good Irish name, good Irishman. Um, <laughs> but, and, you know, he's, you know, really good swing, athletic dude. Uh, like I say, he's one day he's playing first base, one day he's playing center field. I'm like, man, this guy's way more athletic than me. You know, I, I could never play center field, but, uh, you know, just, yeah, we kind of had that small connection. And then, you know, playing against him um, all the way up and, you know, how it is you play against guys and you, you, know, you kind of get to know somebody who's on the other team. And 
um, you know, Brian O'Grady's a great dude, great baseball player. And, um, you know, it's been an honor to, to compete against him. You'll love that. Yeah. That's, that's why like, I, I'm so happy we got you on just cause like he's told yeah. me like stories about playing against you. And he, he said you're the league MVP that that season for Idaho falls. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I had played a really good hitters park. So I was, uh, I had maybe the benefit of the doubt over some other guys, but yeah, good times. But that's maybe when I peaked in, in the pioneer league. <laughs> everything i've read it's just like it's it's like you were always like a middle of the order guy like college high school pro ball um did you ever like anticipate your start to pro ball like going as well as it did granted hitter friendly park but like that first season you're looking at your numbers you're like oh my god like that's like what was your mindset like year one yeah not at all i, I had no idea you know it's hard not to be intimidated not intimidated but kind of like you're going into pro ball you're going to the minor leagues like i didn't know what to expect um my and it was and I wasn't a first rounder, you know. I got drafted in the eighth round. Um, my first game in in uh, Idaho, I went five for five, and I was like, "Oh wow, you know, maybe maybe I can do this." Um, and then you know, you get a few hits here and there, you learn some things, and then that confidence starts to um, snowball, and you know, you believe in yourself. And um, that first year was huge for me because, you know, as far as from like a mental standpoint of like my expectations of, of what I wanted for myself got so much better because, um, you know, without, I had no idea that I was going to be the MVP or that I could even have a chance of being the MVP of the Pioneer League. Um, but, you know, that's just the way it, it shook out. God gave me some unbelievable talents and, um, I've always kind of been a, a late bloomer, I think. And uh, I think when I got into pro ball and, and um, you know, things kind of clicked and I, you know, not that I didn't believe myself already, but I really started to after that season. No doubt. I, I've always like read that, like you're, you're a super competitive guy. You get locked in. Um, how have you been able to find a balance between like being that fierce competitor and also like not letting it consume every part of your life? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, was a battle for me. Um, uh, I love to compete in everything, uh, not just baseball, everything. Um, and you know, as a competitor, when you don't have success, uh, it can consume you. And, um, that happened to me, you know, over a few years in, in Kansas city. Um, and I, and I really, you know, had a figure out a way to not bring that home and I didn't do a good a job you know good job at that sometimes and and my uh, fiance Hannah had to like kind of sit me down and be like dude look <laughs> you know you need to cut this out and be yourself and you can't let what happens at the game you know overtake the rest of your life and you know you hear that so much coming up but it's it really is true um, and when I was able to kind of separate those two things and just kind of let go of this like tight grip I had on my career um, you know that's when things kind of started to change towards the end of my time in Kansas City. Go down. Go ahead, Kate. Yeah. So kind of touching on that, was there like an instance someone said, I know you said that your fiance said something to you. I read that about in the article, uh, in the athletic in the article, was there anything that like a player or a coach said to you? I know you said that you're very close with the Orioles hitting coach. They've helped you out a lot with your swing this year, but just trying to get you in that mindset for the season in 2023. Yeah, well, when I when I got traded over, um, I had already kind of had that that got over that point of like every game is do or die. Like you know, I just holding on to this idea of what my career was supposed to be, and if I didn't do that, then you know, 
you know, it was going to be a failure. So I kind of had got over that and, and kind of just learned to just really have a, a grateful spirit is, is what I've called it. And what I've kind of, um, you know, attached to is just having a grateful spirit about the game. Every day I get to put on a uniform, every day I get to show up and play baseball, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, because I don't want to look back in 20, 30 years and be like, wow, I got to play a few years in the big leagues and I was pissed off the whole time. You know, I was, I was mad at my performance the whole time. I wanted to look back and, and uh, appreciate what I had accomplished. And, um, you know, I got to that point of like, you know, whatever's going to happen is what's going to happen. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to give him my best shot. I'm going to enjoy this time. Um, and you know, not beat myself up over every little thing. Um, and, and so by the time I got traded over to the O's, um, showing up to spring training last year, I had this great, like kind of a fresh mindset, you know, it was, it was, a nobody knew me. Um, you know, it's a, it a change of scenery. I didn't know the coaches. I didn't know many, I didn't really know any of the guys. Um, and, you know, I, I just figured it was a, a fresh opportunity to um, be who I wanted to be, not who I had fallen into over the last years of, you know, in Kansas City. Uh, just an opportunity to show up and, and play and have fun and enjoy the game. And um, and I really did, man. I enjoyed every day. Um, I have enjoyed and hopefully continue will <laughs> will continue to enjoy being an Oriole. Uh, it was it was a blast. You know, they had a um, such a cool um such a cool group of guys and coaches and I felt very welcome when I showed up and even though my name wasn't very high in the depth chart when I showed up in spring training I still felt like one of the dudes you know like they they cared about me they um had plans for me or whatever but um yeah it was it was such a good experience this year that's awesome and then just battling for a spot in the lineup this year I want to get a little bit more into hitting because we've had some guests on and they're like, no, I need to be glued to the iPad. I want to analyze every single aspect of my swing after and at bat. And we've had other guys on saying, no, I don't, I don't want to know the pitch. I don't want to know what he's throwing. I just, I want to just go up there and hit. Where do you kind of fall between those two types of players? I would say I'm like right in the middle. <laughs> like, okay. uh, I definitely like to watch a little bit of, I, I want to see the shapes that the pitchers are going to throw. Um, and I love, and, and, and also, you know, if I have, you know, hit three homers off the guy, like I, I want to watch my highlight reel. Like there's something to be said for that watching, you know, a, a video, you know, of yourself having success, you know, like a, um, dig me video or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, but at the same time, it can be too much, you know, if you're, um, constantly looking at every pitch, every swing, what did my front hip do there? You know what it can be too much. And I think that's kind of the name of the game in baseball right now is there's so much information thrown at you um, being able to decipher what is going to actually benefit you and what is just fluff is uh, something that I think guys, um, you know, figure out along the way. Do you think in terms of the game right now, there is a sense of too much analytics as opposed to just like the old school way or with the times it's kind of necessary. I think it miss, it fits with the times. Um, I wouldn't consider myself like super analytical and I, you know, and I wouldn't really consider myself like, like old school either. Like I want to, uh, you know, I want to get information, but it's just however you can take that information in and then formulate a plan with it. You know, like if you're going up to the box and you're thinking like this guy's got 11 inches of run, you know, like 
or he throws this upshoot fastball and, and it, you know, you have numbers in your brain. I think that's um, tough to go up there and compete. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you look at the numbers and then you go on the machine before the game and you, you know, kind of practice like what his fastball is going to look like or what his slider is going to look like. And, and then you got a feel to like attack it. Then you take that into the game. And then I think you're, you know, that's a good way to use the information to benefit you. Justin, you, you mentioned okay. going back and why what's up. So I hope that answers your question. Oh no, it does. No, it does. Thank you. Or my rambling. Let me know. No, you're good. <laughs> you uh, one thing you said in there, I thought was fascinating, is going back and watching your own stuff. Is there like, what's the best swing you've ever taken? Like, what's the video you, that you has the most plays in your iPad? Like, this is the ball that I absolutely crushed. Oh man, there's been a few good ones. Um, from this season, I hit one at the end of the year. Well, okay. There's a few good ones that I go back and look at. One of them, I think, that is maybe my favorite was a three-run homer off of Romano on a slider in, like, the eighth in Toronto to kind of um, to tie it up. And I think that kind of, like, kick-started my season. I think that's when O's fans kind of, like, learned my name maybe a little bit or kind of – that's when it all started going. That, that one stands out to me. Um, I hit a, a homer off of uh, Savali – in baltimore at the end and i had a little pimp job on it i'm pretty vanilla i think overall i have I'm a little i've been vanilla throughout my career so i had a little pimp job on that one so i like i kind of like to watch that one that i feel good about that you know uh i had a, a pinch hit homer off jake bird which uh was a good one and then of course i had one off went off kansas city i was four for four you know, playing your old team, and uh, I hit a good one. Uh, didn't really impact the game, but it felt good. That's. I think I was at the one where hit the Jake Bird. Was the Jake Bird one at home against Colorado? Yeah, day game at home. Uh, yeah, you were. <laughs> I think Tyler Anderson, maybe. There was a lefty starting that day, and then I uh, came in, pinch hit in the eighth off Jake Bird, first pitch homer. Cutter. Dude, that's, and... that's the best. We, so we lost that game. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Uh, you mentioned pinch hitting and I had a question about this and I went back and I saw a video of you. I think it was when you're in Kansas city talking about like your approach at a pinch hitting we've had when Brian's been on, he's talked about like, he's going up there. You got it. You got to swing at the first pitch and you can't let a first pitch fastball get by you. Like I looked and you're actually a lifetime 256 pinch hitter, like average career pinch hitting. That's actually pretty good. I feel like how have you been able to find success coming in cold off the bench probably against a closer or late inning reliever? Yeah, that's a great question. That, I mean, that was my bread and butter uh, last year in Kansas City. That's kind of how I stuck around. Um, so I had to embrace it. You know, it's not – nobody wants that job. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the only way to stay on the team, then you got to embrace it. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with what Brian said. You cannot go up there and – just see one because that could be your best pitch to hit. And, you know, these guys in the back end, their stuff is ridiculous. It's not, you know, you got to find a way to make your living off what the rest of the league hits a buck 15 off of. So it's like, and you haven't had an at bat in, I don't know, two, three, seven days. Like it could be, it's just a tough job. But um, I think the way you do it is you get on those machines and it's starting in the sixth inning. You do uh, like challenge BP where you basically take at bats off of 
uh, a hitting coach who's, you know, not lobbing it in there. You know, he's throwing it hard and he's trying to spin the ball and do all these things. Just, like, make practice really hard, basically, so that when you get in there, like, you have a shot. Um, but and, – and another thing is, is when I first started doing that job, I was – would get kind of overcome by the moment um, because it is a big situation. If you're pinch hitting, like it's probably for a reason, you know, to try and win the game. Um, so you can be overcome, you know, uh, the stress or pressure of that situation can kind of get you out of your, out of your lane. So I think I learned how to kind of channel that adrenaline and that energy and kind of be like, okay, there it is. Like I feel it, but I don't have to like be owned by it. Like I can just use it as, as energy. Um, and I think there's definitely an art to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, but you got to want to do the job. That's not, that's the key. You got to be, you know, you got to be committed and uh, convicted to do the job and you have to find a way to embrace it. I think it's the hardest job in baseball. Like yeah. I, like, and, and Brian's t- said the same thing too. his, what's your approach for like staying locked in for days that you're like, you know, you're pinch hitting and not starting like, I think Brian said he's like, he's taped up first inning. He's got the cleats on. He's like raring to go. Do yeah. you sit there like that for, I don't know, like a couple hours? Like, how are you staying locked in? Yeah, I've seen that. I played with a guy named Ryan McBroom for a while. And that man, that's my boy. He had a, a <laughs> on in the first inning, <laughs> ready to go. Um, no, for me, though, it was uh, probably like the first five innings I would – kind of take it easy like watch hang out with the pitcher the starters like starting pitchers um you know cheer on the guys uh watch the game but at the same time you're kind of monitoring like seeing what's going on like if they get a uh like in the playoffs for example as soon as they had a righty up in the in the pen like i was ready to go um but during the regular season i would take those first few innings kind of take it easy and then maybe in the six i would go up get loose um, start my like program, kind of look over the, the guys that I might possibly face in the back end, um, and then kind of get their shapes going off the machines, stuff like that. Just pre- preparing yourself for a potential at bat. Yeah. And like I said, you've had a lot of success doing it. So there's, you're like, there is an art to being a pinch hitter. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been a big topic of conversation online. I watched the MLB network segment about this. I've talked to Brian about this. It's just like, your, your swing mechanic evolution, I guess, over the last couple of years, like in Kansas City to now. I, I, I think Mark DeRosa said it was, it was all about the, you took the bat off your shoulder, and that was one of the things he pointed out. And like Brian said, it's like you're more closed off now. Like can you like walk me through the changes that you've made that have been so beneficial to your swing and, and your success? Yeah, I can try. I, I'll tell you what, man. It's been – I'll tell you what. It's been – and I you guys mentioned this on the um, that podcast – but it was, uh, or on that episode, it was really a combination of things. Um, combination of like taking something from every hitting coaches that I've had over the last few years, um, just trying to learn. And then, you know, ultimately getting an opportunity to like test it out consistently, you know, um, which is the Orioles gave me a great opportunity this year to play. And, um, but yeah, the, the bat on the shoulder thing, one of my bat went from here to here. Let me get it here. From here to here to start, that was an Orioles thing. That was that was uh, Ryan Fuller, Koyashi, and, and uh, 
Borgs, Borg Schulte. It was um, because I had, I think my first like month or so with the O's this year, I was still kind of resting it on my shoulder, which I had done for so long. And I was hitting decent. I think I was hitting like 260 and they brought it to me and they were like, hey, what if we made this move? Uh, and I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm doing better than I ever have, you know, but I decided to trust them on it and, and it obviously paid off. But so that the point of that was that my upper body and my hands and bat had all my torso had all been kind of like glued together. So like I would like lean back and then like if it was middle away, like I'm hammering it. But I didn't have very good adjustability to like move my like adjust to a pitch down and in like get on top of the pitch i wasn't i wasn't using my ability to like adjust things um i was just kind of glued up here um so i think that was a big time breakthrough for me um because all of a sudden i started handling you know sliders down and in that i would swing over and miss by a foot for the last four years like i would catch one and it would be a homer and i'd be like holy shit what was that i've never done you know what was that um, or a fastball up, you know, being able to get on top of the fastball up and, and hit it for, you know, back, backspin a ball in the gap. Things I was hitting balls that I had not hit in those pit in those locations ever. Um, and I, and when I started to do that, you know, it's kind of like those days in Idaho, like you just get that confidence rolling and you just, you know, start believing in what you're doing. Um, and, and, uh, things can snowball for you in a good way. The trio of Orioles hitting coaches sounds like they, they sound like they have their stuff together. Uh, I think Kate actually had a question about that. Yeah. Just trying to digest like all of the different, you know, responses that you get from hitting coaches throughout the year, especially being more of like a veteran presence. How do you kind of pick and choose what exactly you should focus on? Or is it just like a bunch of trial and error in the box? It's something that you work on in practice and then implement in the game. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, for me being because I've had so many great hitting coaches um, and it's like sometimes things might just because of, you know, for whatever reason, things might not translate to into your brain. Um, but I think with my goal was to try to take something from every hitting coach I've ever had. Um, and when I got to the Orioles, um, they it just seemed like I everything they were saying made sense to me. And um you know, they had so many great ideas and so many, um, you know, they just gave me examples of why we were doing this and, and um, how it could potentially help me out. And um, and then, you know, you watch them work with Gunner and, and Adley and Tandare and all these guys that are, you know, smashing baseball, SETI, like all these, these studs. And I'm like, well, it's working for these guys. Like, I, you know, maybe I should buy in. Um, and, you know, I, so I, I pretty much just trusted them from the start and, um, you know, all three of those guys did really did do a really good job and they're really good at, um, you know, kind of relating to players and understanding their, their guys and, and what makes them tick. And, um, you know, they just can't say enough good things about those guys. I mean, it clearly worked out for you extremely well this year. Can you think of like a specific moment where it just like a light bulb went off in your brain or like it clicked at the plate and you just felt really comfortable in, 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 you know, like a good groove. Yeah. Um, I think I took a batting practice in spring training and I was hitting balls like really, I, I've always had kind of an issue backspinning balls to right field, like in the air. And I got to 
spring training we started working and i just got to the point where it was like i couldn't miss like i was backspinning everything and you know balls carrying like crazy and it was like minimal effort and it just felt like right felt free and easy and um so that was maybe a moment that it clicked um you know i forgot to mention one guy that's really helped me out big time is uh shout out dan hennigan my guy at brain and barrel um i went and saw him last off season and, and i took a lot from him too he kind of got the ball rolling and it turns out that him and and ryan fuller the guy from the o's kind of you know had had knew each other a little bit and kind of had you know very similar um ideas for what i should do with my swing um but so you you know you do really you know you feel really good in batting practice you feel really good in the cage you know i feel like you're buying into what these guys are saying and then um I wasn't sure until I got to the game. And then when it translated into the game, you know, you kind of have that confidence like, uh Oh, like I might be a problem. You know, I might, I might be able to do some things. Um, but me, so, I mean, maybe that moment in spring training, but other than that, once, once it kind of got game time, it just seemed like everything just happened really quick. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of not for long media and the breaking bats podcast, the original fudge kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The Original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. And then I kind of want to transition more to the Orioles in general this season. I'm a Yankees fan, but you guys were probably the most fun team to watch, I have to say. So like young, great mixture of young, few veterans. Having a team that like nobody really projected to be on top of the AL East at the end of the season, did you guys really just embrace that underdog mentality? I remember Adley had an interview where he said, yeah, I just feel like we're never out. And it that's kind of how it was every single game. I feel like you guys were just never out. There was a lot of comeback wins. So what was that mentality in the clubhouse this season? You know, I, for one, we all believe that we, we had a really good team. Um, and it felt, it never really felt like we were the underdogs. I know nobody picked us to win the East. Um, and we kind of embraced that maybe towards the end when there was a few games left. Um, you know, that's maybe a little like, Hey, nobody picked us, you know, type of thing. But I think throughout the course of the season, the team was just such an even keel, like the equilibrium was never off. Like we lost two, three in a row, which is probably the most we, I don't even know the most we lost all year. Like we it was it was so um the same it was for such a young team it had such a mature feel in the clubhouse um and you know we had really good players and um you know it just seemed like we i agree with rush like we were never out of it uh i can think of many times when we came back and you know down a few runs late in the game and you know boom big inning and it just seemed like it happened so quick um but yeah, what a year, what a fun team to be a part of. Um, you know, I enjoyed every day I got to play with those guys and, um, you know, such a good group. I know it's, you know, the team is probably going to look hopefully very similar to what it did last year, but, you know, you're still going to lose a few guys. That's just kind of how the game goes. But, um, you know, I always look back on 23 and appreciate that group of guys that we had. Love that. Justin, you want to jump in? Yeah. So I think the Orioles were like one of the youngest teams in baseball, kind of like you mentioned. Um, as like a more veteran, I don't want to say old cause you're not old, but I guess compared to some of these other guys, like, <laughs> like how did you approach the advice giving, like being a sounding board for some of these guys that are like 21, 22? 
Uh, yeah, I'm not like a super like, hey, let me give you some advice type guy. <laughs> uh, you know, I if anyone ever asked me anything, I just use you know my experience to to the best of my ability and try to um, you know help them out. And really, these those guys are so talented. It's more about just like loving on them and and getting them to loosen up a little bit. Sometimes, you know, it's um, you know, I feel like baseball is. Uh, Recently, you know, a lot of these guys come up and they're so talented and they can turn into robots because they're so good. And it's just like all they've they've been in a driveline facility since they were, you know, 13 years old or whatever. But, um, you know, they're all so talented. And um, for me, it wasn't so much about like being super vocal and giving advice, but just just kind of going through it with them, being there in the trenches with them every day. Um but yeah, the, the that group of that core of guys is unbelievably talented, and they're all um, really good people, really down to earth. Just there's no it, there's no Hollywood, you know. It's just a, a really solid group of guys, um, and you know I think you know they're going to win for a long time. Did you kind of feed off the energy of, that the young guys were bringing every day? Yeah, for sure. You know, when you lead off with a game and, and Gunner hits a ball that should be a single and is, you know, busting ass around first base, diving, swim move into second for a double, which you had no business getting, a, you know, little things like that, taking the extra base, um, dirt ball reads, just little things that those guys that, you know, all of our guys really played hard, but Gunner stands out of my mind. It just seemed like he was freaking balls to the wall every day uh flying around and you know it's hard not to feed off of that it's hard um not to i mean it's it's a beautiful thing it was fun to watch every day and um you know he stands out of my mind but there were so many guys like that you know uh adley uh westberg you know hazy come on hazy's unbelievable in the outfield I could, I could brag on these guys all day but um, you know, it just seemed like everybody had that energy and had kind of just like a, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, but like, you know, just wanted to, everybody would want to go out there and kick somebody's ass every day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's the mentality you have to have to have success in that league. Yeah. Did you see some of that in 22, like from the outside looking in from this team that won 83 two years ago? Like when you were looking at this team, maybe playing against them in Kansas city where you're like, they're building something here. And then to come here this year, obviously it's the best. Yeah, I think uh, – well, we played them pretty early on, I think, in 22. Um, so, you know, they were – it wasn't – they hadn't, like – I think they hit a big streak towards the end of the year where they won, like, 10 in a row or something. And that's, um, you know, when they got – it was like, okay, these guys are serious. Um, but, yeah, I definitely thought that they were talented. I remember they did the stupid – I saw this, this, and throwing the grenade, like, every five minutes, you know. Uh, when we played them, they scored a bunch of runs. Um, but yeah, you could definitely see it coming and feel it coming. The celebrations were one of my favorite things. Did like, <laughs> did you get into it? Like as the season went on, were you a little hesitant at first? Like, am I, I have to turn the sprinkler on. I have to do this. Like, no. you, did you embrace it initially? Absolutely. You got to, you know, um, you want to be a part of the team, you know? And, uh, I thought personally, I thought the celebrations were great. The whole, we had a whole, you know, waterworks, uh, agenda going on and, and, uh, Gibby for <laughs> Gibby was making sure everybody was on top of it at the beginning. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of took on a thing of its own. Who was it? I think somebody was on second base and they didn't look in the dugout and like the guys had like the water <laughs> in their mouths. 
yeah. for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who was that? I I do remember that. I forget. I knew from the road. I think it might we might have been uh, playing the Nationals actually. Um, but yes, I do remember that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Gibson was the one that he invented the Homer hose, or was that was that like Austin Hayes Gibson production or something? No, that was a and I'm I got to give the right guy credit here. Very important. I think that that was Cole Irvin's idea. I think Irv came up with the uh, Homer hose, or he came up. I think he was the original like waterworks guy. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know how it goes. It just kind of there was a new idea every day, and then we had our set celebrations. When you when you hit a home run and like you're like, all right, I'm gonna go back to the dugout do the homer hose did you ever think about like did somebody wipe this off first or was that never (laughs) not once did i think about the cleanliness i I, actually i will say at one point i wondered maybe we didn't hit a home run for a few games and i was like is there just is this thing just been like collecting dust sitting around i don't know if anybody cleaned the homer and then i know when we clinched playoffs that homer hose got some work so i I hope so much after that I saw Mike Elias take take the Homer hose, and I was okay. like, "This guy is the man." Him, Brandon Hyde, like yeah. the the whole like front office managerial staff. Like, how much fun is it like having those guys be like your manager, your GM? Like, that has to be like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, so cool. They, you know, they're they were completely bought in, obviously, and like it, on the Homer hose, and um, that celebration was such a good. That was such a good celebration because it was such a back and forth game and like a um you know high intensity like crazy game and such a uh fun game to like send you off into a celebration so i think everybody was um you know just on cloud nine ready to party after that win um and then it translated obviously into some some good videos of the homer hoses and um really cool to have your gm you know taking part in that that was the game you laid down a sack bunt wasn't it yeah my only career sack bunt tell me about that like who like when you first got the the, the signal or a sign? They're like, did you, were you initially like, I'm in. Whatever you guys need, I'm your guy. Yeah, well, Hyde came up to me. It was I want to say it was like the 11th inning, um, and I was leading off, and you know, man on ghost or runner on second base, and and they had Deekman in, and uh, Hyder, and I figured, hey, I'm just gonna try to roll over. Like <laughs> that's what I thought, and Hyde came up to me and he was like, I got a tough assignment for you you think you can get a bunt down and i was like in the back of my mind i was like shit i don't even remember the last time i bunted uh but i was like fuck yeah dude let's get it down you know it's just, it's one of those deals where you are so locked in and you know you're it's you're willing to do whatever you can do to help you know the boys win the ball game um i remember maybe like a couple weeks earlier or a month earlier uh, McCann got a bunt down against the Rays off Fairbanks and he like pitch was up and in and he bunted it between like on the handle between his hands uh, and got it down. And that's where my mind went. And I was like, yeah, like I'll, I'm going to get this bunt down. Luckily he threw like a pretty good pitch to bunt because I, <laughs> I was going to stick my face in there and, and, you know, do whatever I had to do. Pete Fairbanks, friend of the pod. How many? When was the last you faced Pete? I'm assuming this year, right? I did. Yeah. What's take me through an at bat against Pete Fairbanks? I want to know. I want to know the hitter's perspective because I've heard him hype the pitching side up, but like, what yes. what's it like in the box? Yeah, uh, the fastball is serious for sure. 
It's uh, kind of like I would imagine. I never faced Felix Bautista, but I would imagine that's what Felix Bautista's fast fastball looks like. Kind of like like straight high release, and then it just it comes down and it kind of stays on plane. So like you think the ball, you think it might be low, but it's not. You know, it's going to stay right there. So you got to trust that for one. So there's a fastball at a hundred or whatever, and then uh, the slider is is obviously very good. Um, it's coming back quick. So I just remember thinking like, if I saw a slider out of his hand, like up and away, like I'm going, um, and I got a big, I got a big hit. He's, he's got me a few times, you know, obviously hats off, like tip your cap. Um, but I got him once this year, um, in the ninth inning or something in Tampa with a guy in second base, just like a little blooper down the line, but Hey, I'm taking it all day. It was, uh, to tie the game up or maybe to put us ahead one um, on the slider. And I remember my plan was it just seemed like every time I faced him this year, it was like something different, kind of like a cat and mouse game. Like one time with Isaac throw sliders, he threw fastballs. The next time with Isaac throw fastballs, sliders. So I think that time around I was looking for slider um, and we kind of had a battle going and it was maybe a full count and he threw a slider away. And I just remember if I saw it out of his hand away, I'm going. Um, and then a luckily, you know, caught it off the end of the bat, dropped it in, put the boys. Um, I don't know if we tied it or if we went up one there, but, uh, yeah, obviously he's really good. <laughs> you know, you gotta be ready to go facing uh Fairbanks. Frazier caught one off him too. I don't know how he hit that. That was the one down the line. Yeah. Was- yes. Yeah. That was huge. That was Frazier was pulling that out like, uh, randomly, like during the season, anytime it seemed like anytime we needed a really big hit and he was up, he would just like shoot one down the left field line. And it was, it was money. I love it. Kate, what do you got? Yeah. So heading into the off season, I know that you said today you've been golfing, have a couple of days golfing lined up. Can you take us through like a day in the life? I know you're not really in baseball mode right now. When do you kind of like turn it back on and kind of start getting ready for spring training? Yeah, uh, I'll start. I'll start swinging a bat a little bit after um, Thanksgiving, um, and then I'll go see my guy um, Dan Hennigan again out in Philly, and um, sometime in January. And uh, so I like to hit like maybe like for a few weeks before I see him, and then when I come back from seeing him, it's like every day kind of just working on like little um, critiques and little touches that we that he's got with me, um, but. The lift, like I love the lift. I'll work out pretty much every day. I like to work. I like to lift weights. I like to run. I like to just go outside and be active as much as possible. Um, so yeah, and I, and I like to get up early, which is a new development in my life. Is I'm, oh. uh, you know, getting in my thirties. Uh, I like to. I I swear I'm like staring at the ceiling at like seven thirty in the morning. So I get out of bed. I like to go get my workout over with. If there's an opportunity to play golf, I'm gonna take advantage. Um, but yes, yeah, you know, the off season for me is uh, this part of the off season for me is really in, you know, it's good to kind of get away and kind of, um, you know, shut your brain off of baseball as much as possible, even though like that's so hard because, you know, you open up um, X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And it's like this guy signed here, this guy went here, you know, this is going on. So it's like trying not to get too caught up in baseball and give myself a breather. Um, and then just continuing to lift and, um, you know, getting my body right and ready to go for the season. It seems like it, as you get older, it just seems like it's kind of like it just, you get, you know, you've done it so many years. It's kind of a science and you just your body knows what to do. Just like second nature. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Do you have any big, big travel plans coming up? I mean, you've played a 162 game season plus playoffs. Uh, yeah, my little sister's getting married in Cancun next week. Uh, yeah, so I'll be there for that. Working on the little, my little speech right now. Uh, and, nice. Um, let's see. Going to, I got a golf trip with the boys to, uh, to Cabo uh, the week after that uh, for Nikki Lopez's bachelor party and then my bachelor yeah. in San Diego the week after that. And then so it's going to be kind of crazy for the next like three weeks. And then after that, it, I'll be home and, uh, you know, getting in the gym and staying on that grind. I was saying, I feel like the off season, a lot of weddings, a lot of, and for you, wedding planning, there's a lot going on. Yes, and paying wedding bills and all that, yeah. Trusting God. <laughs> My ears perked up when you said running, because this is a running podcast. Kate and I, I mean, we're putting in the miles. What, like, how far could you run right now if you had to? Oh, my gosh. Not far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I All right, I will say this. And there's guys on the O's that can attest to this. I went through a stretch this year for i i will call it two weeks where i ran a mile every day so take that for what you will you guys are that was a big deal but that was a big deal for me i was running a solid like seven minute mile every day so i was yeah but if i had to run right now like i don't know like depends on what's extent what's at stake if it's like like, (laughs) you know like Five miles, maybe. I don't know. Four? Far. I don't know. I like that. Baltimore is a great running city. We got to see you out there running the harbor sometime. <laughs> no, I'm all right. I'll walk. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll take a walk. I do like, I'll tell you what, I did like uh, walking around like Fells Point and kind of walking up and down um, the harbor. I think next year, if we hopefully we come back and I think we might try to live in Canton and I know there's like a really cool like um park down there kind of on the water so I'm mm-hmm. gonna take a walk I used to work in Canton yeah the, the whole right. like Fells Point Canton there's like there's so many nice parts of the city have yeah. you had an opportunity like I know this year is probably hard because it's your first year but like have you had an opportunity to like ingratiate yourself a little bit have some crab cakes go to Jimmy Seafood that kind of thing oh yeah we did the Jimmy Seafood um those people are awesome um they had us and then um yeah, we were all in on the on the Maryland, the Baltimore cuisine. Uh, you know, plenty of crab cakes, crab cake egg rolls, which are bomb, by the way. Um, yeah, I love I love the food in Baltimore. I really enjoyed you know going out to eat there, and, uh, you know, having all the crab cakes and everything. It's the best. Right? Okay, I had some fun last last like kind of rapid fire ish questions. Okay. Um, so you obviously Kansas City Royals organization. I might be the number one Eric Hosmer fan out there. I love the guy. Like, yeah. what was it like kind of maybe like picking his brain in spring training, getting the opportunity to like learn from a guy like Haas? Man, Haas was the coolest. Um, I never met anybody say a bad thing about Haas. Haas is like just kind of one of those guys, man, kind of like a, a glue guy. Like everybody was just, um, you know, he kind of brought everybody together. He was just like kind of like that guy, like the leader on that team when I was coming up. Um, and so really cool for me to be able to spend a little bit of time around him, uh, you know, take ground balls with him and stuff. And, and he's been really cool to me ever since, you know, every time we see each other on the field or whatever, but, uh, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a big time Haas fan. Um, you know, what a, what a, 
legend honestly like watching him play first base i feel like i learned so much from the way he played first base um the way he would you know pick balls out of the dirt and uh just all of it really you know he makes uh look so easy over there um but yeah a pretty cool guy to um you know coming up uh when you go to your first big league camp and stuff uh, i couldn't have asked for like a cooler uh like guy to kind of look up to in spring training that's Kate can attest. I mean, that's he's he's my favorite. Yeah. I love that guy. Um, yeah. so I read that you're a little bit of a guitar player. How how did that start? And like, what what's like the best song you can bang out on the guitar right now? Um, <laughs> yeah, I I started playing the guitar back in the day in college, and uh, just kind of like brought it with me. I'm. I've gone through stretches of like, oh, I'm really into this. And then like, I get so frustrated and like throw it away and like not look at it again for five months or whatever. And then I'll pick it up again. And um, just like a love hate relationship. I'm not a good guitar player by any means. Uh, I can dabble. I can play a few songs. I can, I can, uh, I can play a little a few John Mayer songs, a few, um, you know, some country songs and stuff, but uh, it's just like a low key hobby. Like that. That's not really like a hobby that I kind of wanted, like out in the in the internet. Like, <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to be like, hey, buddy, let's hear you play a song, you know? Because because you, you said, <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 definitely uh, a fun challenge. I played a little bit when I was a kid. I my parents made me take piano lessons, so I kind of got interested in like playing music a little bit back then. Um, and as I've gotten older, you know, it's like a just a, a time filler. It's a good time though. <laughs> well apologies if, yeah <laughs> I, I didn't realize <laughs> although dude i mean no, no, i'm the biggest sorry, john mayer you didn't make that up that was out there somewhere yeah i don't know where i, I don't know where i saw that but <laughs> justin hey, was digging digging right yeah I, no I, I it wasn't intentional yeah <laughs> although we are both john mayer fans so you know you are john going. Fans? who is the john? biggest Go, right? the biggest yeah. the biggest john mayer fan yeah. yeah what 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 songs of his do you know uh like on the guitar mm -hmm. or like do i know by ear like <laughs> play the guitar uh yeah like uh the one that i worked on forever was uh why georgia yeah it's a good one yeah. it's classic classic yeah classic one yeah i think it's people like, will like this side of you what's that i think people are gonna enjoy hearing this side of you yeah. i think you should lean into it all right maybe i will yeah adam wainwright <laughs> singing you can play the guitar next time it'll be great <laughs> we form a band together. That's a lot of pressure. I don't know if I'd be on a stage playing an instrument ever, but uh. I like that. Uh, so you mentioned like going out to dinner in Baltimore. Do you guys do like team dinners? Are those like a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. More so on the road, though. You know, you got a lot of guys have kids, and um, you know, when we're at home, you know, they want to spend time with their kids and family and stuff like that. Uh, but like, if we get an off day on the road, if um, you know, we say we get in on Sunday at like five, 6 PM somewhere. We'll go, we'll go have a team dinner. And, um, yeah, I mean, every, you know, the, the O's last year had a tight group. We wanted to hang out, you know, we wanted to, uh, spend time together away from the field. And, um, so we did. Who's like the most likely to either like pick up the tab or is there somebody that like you're, the people are like, all right, you have to pay. <laughs> no, there's the, uh, you know, some of the guys making some real money were uh, splitting it up there at the top. You know, the Gibby would just be funny if yeah. and the Frasers and the, you know, 
I help. Is that like? I'm not. I'll I'll pitch in a little bit. I just think it would be funny if, like, the rookie got, like, stuck with the bill or something. Like, Heston Kirstad like, got, like, a $1,000. I mean, we had some super rich rookies this year, you know? They have a no problem picking up the bill. That's true. That's a good point. Between Greg and Heston and all those guys. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, a lot of first-rounders. Yeah. What was the thing with Heston? It was, like, it was like after he got his first home run, like, the celebration I was hearing about, like, is, is like, the shopping cart coming out for that? Is that what? Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, well, that's the classic baseball thing, you know. Your first win mm-hmm. as a hitter, your first save as a reliever, your first homer as a hitter, you know, you're gonna get take a trip in the basket, and uh, it, <laughs> it's just luck of the draw based off what you have doused all over you. Um, yeah, that's as a non like I like I played like high school baseball, but like just the thought of like, all right, like there's it's there's condiments coming out. It's gonna be oh, it's, it's gonna be a time in the shower. Yeah. It's a it's a yeah, it's a something that every every player remembers, you know, when they get their first ride in the cart. Uh I remember <laughs> mine vividly. Um yeah, it's just a good thing. It's just a little bit of love from the guys, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh I had a question about playing with Adley Rutschman. Uh we asked everybody who's like associated with the Royals, like, okay, like the easy, like what's it like playing with Adley? But also like has his love of the show I think you should leave rubbed off on you or anybody else in the clubhouse? What what show is that? It's on Netflix. Uh it's the Tim Robinson, like the sketch, like the silly comedy thing. I haven't even seen that. Uh <laughs> I haven't seen that. But uh Rutch is awesome, man. He's just like a it just reminds me of like a quarterback back there, you know. He uh the way he controls the staff and um but as a, as a dude, he's awesome. Hilarious. Um, just a quality guy, man. He's, you know, fun to hang out with and, um, you know, absolute legend on and off the baseball field. Uh, it's been an honor to play with, with Rutch. I played with two really, really good catchers between Salvi and Rutch. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been pretty cool. Hopefully. I think, I, yeah, I think so. I, I think your, your assignment this off season should be, Checking it out, I think you should leave, and then just showing up to camp next year, dropping all the quotes, just like asking Adley if he wants to get like sloppy steaks sometime. He'll love it. Hey, that's funny because he used to always say like sloppy steaks to me, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't even know. (laughs) It's okay. Well, that makes sense. Yes, guarantee you come back next year. Yeah, that's just that's also funny to think that like he's saying things to you, and you you think that they're like no, they're like mildly funny, but like the references. I thought he came up with that on his own, to be honest. I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> don't know exactly what that means, but that's funny. Slop him up. Yeah. <laughs> I got Kate. I got Kate on this show. It's, it's my favorite thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Last question for you. Thank you so much for your time. This has been incredible. Yeah, um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Wow. That's a, that's a freaking killer question. Um, man, I've got, I've had so much, so much really good advice, you know, uh, for over the years, um, from baseball people. Um, I don't know. And I, and I feel like I just want to go with like a simple answer from, you know, my dad has always given me really good advice. He's kind of always been the guy who's, you know, post game texting me about at bats or about this or that, or just kind of my guy I could go to. 
Um, and, you know, he always tells me, uh, work hard and enjoy what you do. And I think that's, you know, maybe a cop-out answer, but uh, it's probably the best advice I've ever gotten. Yeah, I mean, your dad's dropping some some words of wisdom there. Like, that's, I that's love that. Like a, like a fundamental, um, you know, word of advice or, or word of wisdom from him um, for, you know, pretty much my entire life. So I kind of live by that. And um, yeah, shout out dad. I love that. All right, Kate, any last, last, last things? I know you dropped out for a second, but this is. I think I'm good. Anything? Thank you, Ryan. Okay. Yeah, thank you guys yeah. for having me. I enjoyed it. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.